Pastor Aaron on the um, struggle bus. Hey, I know you're online with us, uh, Pastor Aaron. Bless her sweet heart. She is still testing positive for COVID. So she's on the COVID reserve list. Yeah, she's on the reserve list. So but, uh, she was really hoping to be able to be here this morning. And then yesterday morning called me and said, so that's not going to work. And uh, she had already written her message this morning in our series, uh, Old Testament, how the, how the Old Testament uh, shows us the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we walk through all the way to the day of Pentecost, and she, uh, I said, why don't you just record it? We're used to it. We don't even care, right? Whatever. Bring us the word, Pastor Aaron. You're ready. She was so ready for it anyway. So she's bringing us the word here, I think, from her dining room with Matt have, having recorded it for her. And um, she's going to bring us the word, and then we will close together after. So sorry you can't be here, Pastor Aaron. We love you. We hope you test negative real, real soon. And thanks for bringing us the word. Go ahead, Addie. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. I wish I was there in person to say it in person, but uh, the Jameson household has been taken out by COVID, and I was the last one to go down. And as you can hear by my voice, it really wasn't right for me to be there. So my wonderful husband worked all day and then came home and set our dining room into a studio. And so thank you, Matt, for all of that. And I'm going to come to you for Mother's Day from my kitchen table. So uh, sorry, but it is what it is. Today on Mother's Day, we celebrate the women in our lives. And um, I looked up interesting differences between men and women men and women uh, in preparation for this to see what I could find. And there were a few that stuck out to me. One is that men have 25% thicker skin. Did you know that? That seems weird to me. Uh, two, men are less sensitive to cold temperatures, which makes sense to me if they have thicker skin. Uh, and thirdly, women have better sense of taste and smell. Uh, I'm not in the room, so I can't see if you're nodding in agreement, but I feel like this is a true statement. Women have more taste buds and more olfactory nodes than men. So hear me out on this. It's possible that dads don't actually not like, pretend they don't smell the dirty diaper first. It could literally be that they don't smell it first. And so moms, wives, maybe we'll just cut them some slack because God gave us really sensitive noses so that we could uh, smell the dirty diaper and clean it up and, you know, smell our teenager's room all the way upstairs when we walk in the front door. Uh, maybe not. Anyways, those are the interesting things I read about men and women this week. In case you weren't sure, God made men and women unique. God created us uh, <clears throat> differently, but we are equal. We are all equally empowered by the Holy Spirit when we come into relationship with Jesus. We started our new Empowered series last week with Pastor Chris uh, from Waterloo Pentecostal Assembly, and we continue today to explore who the Holy Spirit is and what that means to us as believers. We just finished our last session on the Holy Spirit in Alpha last week, and I admitted to the group that it took me longer than it should have to fully understand the Holy Spirit. And I, obviously, I still don't understand it, but maybe I should have said to better understand the Holy Spirit. We see the activity of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, the first and the last books of the Bible, in case you didn't know. The Holy Spirit was there at creation, and he has empowered particular people for particular tasks like creativity, leadership, strength, freedom, prophecy throughout scripture. He prepared the coming of Jesus. He was active in the life of Jesus and in the activity of the early church, and he is still active and present in our lives as believers today. 
As we go on through the Bible, we see that the Holy Spirit came on particular people at particular times for particular tasks that he had called them to do. And we're going to explore this uh, further in the coming weeks. Um, But he came on people uh, specifically for artistic expression, for miracles, for healing, for signs and wonders. And one of my favorite examples of this is Bezalel uh, from Exodus, who was filled with the Holy Spirit for artistic design. Uh, That's going to come up in a few weeks. If you want to be a keener, you can look it up in Exodus 31. The Holy Spirit fills us for whatever it is that we're involved in. It could be music, it could be art, it could be work, it could be what you do in your workplace. Whatever you do, the Holy Spirit has filled you to be successful at that. The Spirit of God wants to fill you with skill and ability and creativity for whatever you do in your places of influence. The same Holy Spirit that was active in creation is active in your life right now. Excuse me. That's the part that took me so long to understand, I think. When we come into relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and the Holy Spirit helps to lead us, to guide us, and empowers us to become more like Jesus every single day in every area of our lives as we listen to him and surrender. That's the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a second experience that happens when the Holy Spirit comes on us in power. And we're gonna explore that further uh, on Pentecost Sunday. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament now. As we continue through the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit of God came on people for leadership specifically. And today we're going to look at one Israelite judge who was empowered with the Spirit to lead the people of Israel. There are many examples of the Holy Spirit empowering people for leadership uh, in the Bible. We have Gideon, we have Samson, we have Saul, we have David. But in honor of Mother's Day, we're going to look at Deborah, who was empowered by the Spirit of God for leadership. So let me introduce you to her if you aren't familiar. She is the only woman recorded in the Old Testament to serve as judge and prophet uh, in Israel. The Old Testament describes Deborah as a mighty combination of judge, intercessor, prophetess, mother of Israel, and military strategist. Deborah broke outside of her culture, not out of rebellion, but in obedience to God to set her people free. In the tribal structure of Israel, women normally occupied a subordinate position, but they could and did rise to prominence. And you can tuck this piece of information away for later in the story, but women were typically in charge of setting up the tents in the camps. Deborah's time as judge and prophet is recorded in the book of Judges, which is the seventh book of the Old Testament, and it includes 11 uh, accounts of 11 men and one woman who helped rescue Israel from its oppressors. Judges covers a period of 325 years and follows a pattern of sin, consequence, and repentance. Repeat. Before Israel had a king, it had a series of tribal leaders that we call judges, and God used these men and one woman to save the Israelites from their enemies and bring them back to him. The book of Judges records this dark chapter in Israel uh, in, in ancient Jewish history, noting each judge's deeds and circumstances surrounding them. As Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, Joshua led them into the promised land. When Joshua and his generation died, so did the Israelites' knowledge of God. Then they began worshiping other gods. So the Lord handed them over to their enemies and used the surrounding nations to test them to see whether they would walk in his ways as their ancestors did. And that's when the judges like Deborah came in. In Judges 2.16, it says, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. So let's uh, read together from Judges 4, 1-5. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Herosheth, Hagoyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. 
Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her <clears throat> to have their disputes decided. That's our judge, Deborah. The title judge in the description here makes us think of someone who determines guilt or innocence, like our traditional judge. But that wasn't the case. That wasn't all that they did. They weren't simply presiding over court. The Hebrew word for judge has a broader meaning, and in other passages, it refers to kings or rulers. The judges found in the Old Testament weren't hereditary, like would come in the time of kings. They were chosen by God to lead the people. They were men in God who were chosen to rise up to lead. And this is an important point. The judges didn't just decide to lead. They didn't just say, Deborah didn't just say, hey, I think I'm a great leader. I'm just going to step up and do this. She was anointed and empowered by God to lead, specifically in this time. We're going to continue uh, Deborah's story in Judges 4, 6 to 10 here. <clears throat> Excuse me. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kedesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give them into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, and there Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. So Deborah has heard from the Lord that it's time for her people to be delivered. She calls Barak, Barak, however I probably said that wrong, to lead, and he hedges. Uh, I'll go if you go. It's like when you were daring somebody to do something when you were a kid. I'll do it if you do it because you don't really believe that they'll do it or you don't really trust that it's safe to do. <clears throat> so that's what it feels to me like what Barack was doing. And the consequence of that hesitation is that he lost the honor for the victory that was to come at God's hands. Uh, so let's keep reading. We're going to skip down to verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went ahead or went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Herosheth Hagoyim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin king of Hazor and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in, don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the, stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks for you, and asks you, is anyone in there? Say no. But Jael, Haber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. 
That's a nice happy Mother's Day uh, Bible story, isn't it? Do you remember, do you understand now why I said to tuck that piece of information away that the women were in charge of putting up the tent pegs? JL knew how to wield a hammer and hold a tent peg steady, and she made good use of those skills. The women, uh, sorry, the Israelites were freed for 40 years from their captors because God empowered Deborah to lead. She called Barak, she followed the Lord's leading, and he delivered them. God was empowered, God, Deborah was empowered by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who existed since creation to lead the people of Israel out of captivity. And not just to lead them out of captivity, but out of their sinful ways back into right relationship with God. The reason they needed an empowered leader like Deborah in the first place in the first place was because left on their own, they continually find themselves back into sin, turning away from their one true God. God empowered people for leadership. He understood that left to our own devices, we wander and we get ourselves into trouble. We need godly, spirit-filled leaders to point us to the path where we find Jesus. Deborah was that for the Israelites. And the same spirit that empowered Deborah for a specific role for leadership empowers each of us as followers of Jesus every day to lead and be an example for Christ. We don't have to wait for a special anointing or a specific call. While the judges of the Old Testament had to be individually called and uniquely empowered for their role as leaders, we are all empowered by God, by the Holy Spirit, to be spiritual leaders in our place of influence. When we think of leaders, maybe you think of heads of big corporations or you think of Charlie Montoya or Nick Nurse or I don't know the name of the Maple Leafs coach, but insert his name here and hopefully he won last night or tonight. Sports, I don't know. Uh, anyways, you might think of Pastor Tracy or the board and those are all examples of leaders, but those aren't the only examples of leaders. They, leaders are people that influ are... I'm gonna try that one more time, guys, I'm sorry. There's a lot going on up here, one more time. Leaders are those that influence people around them. Just as Deborah was empowered for a specific purpose to lead, so are you empowered by the spirit to lead in your circles of influence. Leadership is influence. People follow you not because you tell them to. In fact, if you tell them to, they usually won't. They lead because they're in proximity. You are in proximity to them and they see your example and they follow it. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 lays it out clearly what it means to lead in your circle of influence. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You are called to leadership in your faith life. That doesn't mean you're going to be sharing the sermon next week, although maybe that's something in the future. Go talk to Pastor Tracy after the service. Uh, <clears throat> it means that you lead by pointing the way to Jesus to those around you by your words, by your deeds. You may say to me, oh, no one pays attention to what I do. I am certainly not leading. Or since it's Mother's Day, my kids don't listen to me. I am not leading. Or maybe you just say, I don't want to be a leader. I have no interest in that. I'm happy to keep my head down, keep my mouth shut, and just go about my day. The truth is, whether you want to or not, whether you think people are listening to you or not, good or bad, whatever that means, you are leading people around you. By deciding to follow Jesus and declaring you are a follower of Jesus, you are a leader. If you're a parent, have you ever had that delightful moment when you hear, not that this has ever happened in our house, but when you hear maybe two of your children fighting and one of them sounds so mean and hurtful and you think, why would they talk like that? And then you go, oh, because that's how I sound when I'm upset and frustrated with them, right? We've all had that moment or maybe that just happens in the Jameson household and that's fine. Uh, my kids hear me. 
I'm leading whether I want to or not. And sometimes it's not always for the best. The times we don't get it light, right are likely the times that we're leading in our own strength and we forget to tap into the empowering of the Holy Spirit that's available to us. When I'm frustrated with my kids, I do not stop and pause long enough and ask God to lead me through that frustration. I usually react in my own strength. And in those moments, I am not leading well. Deborah was empowered for a specific role in battle and you are empowered daily through the Holy Spirit uh, to lead by becoming more like Jesus. The kind of leader you'll be for Jesus largely depends on you. The Holy Spirit is in you. He empowers you. But how much you access that empowerment and follow his leading is really up to you. And likewise, the kind of spiritual influence you have on those around you depends on how much you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. In Alpha this week, I said the phrase that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. He will lead you and he will guide you, but he won't force you to follow. He won't force you to speak. That silly saying that you hear, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink kind of applies here. The Holy Spirit can lead you. He can empower you, but unless you choose to surrender and unless you choose to follow, your leadership may not be what you want it to be. Deborah led the people of God first. Uh, led the people of Israel, but first she followed the direction of God. She couldn't lead until she heard from God. She was able to lead because she heard from God, actually. First, she listened to him. She knew his voice. She could hear him, and therefore she had the opportunity to respond in obedience. You are empowered to lead, but only as much as you follow the Savior. You follow his leading as much as you are familiar with his voice. You are familiar with his voice as much as you spend time in his word and in prayer. I know that every time I speak, I say this, and I want to apologize for it, but I can't because it's true. We lead well by the empowering of the Holy Spirit when we know God's word, when we spend time in his presence, when we are surrendered before him. I can only follow him and lead well in my circles of influence when I am in tune with the spirit. And I can only do that when I'm in God's word and spending time in prayer. The beauty of our relationship with Jesus is that he doesn't expect us to lead in our own strength and get it right all the time. Thank goodness, because we don't. He knew that without the Holy Spirit leading us back to him, we would be like the Israelites caught in cycles of sin. We lead, a, we lead as we surrender control of our lives and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us become more like Christ. You lead in your sphere of influence when you seek God on the decisions you make, how you spend your money, what you do with your time, how you turn your thoughts over to God. You ask the Lord to control your tongue. You ask for wisdom in all areas of your life, and then you lead well. Galatians 5.25 tells us, since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in step with the Spirit. We lean into his empowering by staying in step with the Spirit. We go back to the beginning of that portion of scripture in Galatians, Galatians 5, 16 to 19. and says, so I walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires was contrary to the spirit and the spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. In the words of Pastor Dell from his life uh, in the spirit course, to walk by the spirit means to obey the ways of God, act like Jesus and follow the Holy Spirit's lead. When you allow the spirit to guide you each step, you will not lose the conflict with your sinful nature and give in to your desires. Then you lead well. You lead by being different, by watching your life and your words and by asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. You're never gonna be perfect or have it all figured out, but you should be able to look back on your life and see growth. And the kind of growth we're looking for is also found in Galatians uh, 5, 22 to 25. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You are never perfectly loving, perfectly kind, and perfectly good. 
but these things should be growing. You should be able to look back and see how far you've come. The Holy Spirit empowers you for leadership, even when you don't know how to do that well. We all have times when we feel weak, when we feel incapable, when we've had it up to here with our circumstance and our situation. And in those moments, you are still called to be an example of Christ. You are still empowered to lead, even when you feel like you can't, even when you don't know what the answer is, because we all have those moments when we don't know what the answer is. And the Holy Spirit helps us because we don't lead as an influencer for Christ on our own. We lead it as empowered followers of Jesus. In those moments when we don't know what to do and how to lead and what to say, that's when we fall back onto the Holy Spirit again. The Holy Spirit helps us line up with God's will during those times by interceding for us. Romans 8, 26 to 27 says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray, but He, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. There will be times in your life when you want to lead well and you just don't know how. And that's okay. In those moments, you lean into your understanding and knowledge that you have been empowered by God and the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf when you cannot do it on your own. To lead well, you don't have to have it all figured out. You have to know and serve the one who does. Being a person of influence doesn't mean you have all the answers. It means you trust the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. That's really what it's about. The Holy Spirit empowers you. You don't do it on your own. It's not another thing you have to carry. It is an empowering that lives in you when you came into relationship with Jesus. You are a spiritual leader empowered by the Holy Spirit. So be intentional. Intentionally ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Intentionally listen to his voice and intentionally follow in obedience. The impact you may have may take years to fully develop, but it's happening. Understand, follower of Jesus, that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to lead. And I want to end today by speaking specifically to the women listening, because after all, it's Mother's Day. Whether you are a mom, a grandma, a wife, single, widow, divorced, in a relationship, it's complicated. Is that still on Facebook? I have no idea. Or anything that I missed in there. You, woman of God, are uniquely empowered to lead where God has placed you. Whether you are a mom, a grandma, in a workplace, leading a small group, wherever God has placed you, he has uniquely gifted you and qualified you to lead as a follower of Jesus. You might say, um, I'm not where I want to be. I can't possibly be leading. My life isn't what I want it to be. And I feel for you. I have been there. And I say to you, even here, you are called to lead well by surrendering and following Jesus. The past two years have been hard. Uh, maybe you would say the past 20. I'm not here to judge. Uh, studies show that women, specifically moms, found this pandemic extra hard. And men, I'm not putting down what you went through, but it's Mother's Day. So just wait your turn. Just kidding. But I'm not. Uh, the past two years have been hard. Our roles have overlapped. We've been asked to do things that have been hard. And maybe you're tired. Maybe you're exhausted. And maybe you say, I don't want to lead. I don't want to lead. I don't want to do that anymore. Or you know what, maybe you're finally flourishing. You're coming through the other end of this pandemic and you, you're catching your stride and you're feeling like you're exactly where God has placed you to be. And for that, I celebrate with you. Wherever you find yourself, I just, so much I wanna to say to you, woman of God, you are empowered to lead wherever God has placed you. And you're not gonna look like your best friend. It's not gonna look like your spiritual mentor. It's not gonna look like that person who is exactly who you wish you could be. It's going to look like how God has uniquely created you and uniquely empowered you to lead. And I 
also just want to say this is not another burden to add to your shoulders it actually should be a weight lifted off of you because you do not lead on your own you don't lead your family you don't lead your friends you don't lead that small group you don't lead by your lifestyle on your own you do it because the holy spirit lives in you and has empowered you for where you have been placed and where you have been set so woman of god in all the cheesiness that it sounds like a, a wm conference i say to you today rise up with confidence and lead well wherever God has placed you because he has empowered you. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time. I pray that each follower of Christ would understand that you have uniquely gifted us and empowered us to lead. And I pray specifically, God, for the women in this room, the women that are listening, the women that are watching, that you would um, rise up in them and help them to understand that you have empowered them, that they are not leading on their own, that when they are tired, you lift them up. When they are joyful, you celebrate with them. And I pray blessing over their lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would bless them. You would speak to them. You would comfort them. You would celebrate with them. And I thank you so much for godly women who are making a difference for your kingdom. In your name, amen.